You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisendraft on WCPT 820. Okay, guys, you, you all know that, you know, we talk about politics here, but my focus is often and mostly um, in the states around the country where such important work is being done. And that, you know, you've heard me say before that in Republican uh, America, the states are the sword and the Supreme Court is their shield protecting them to do all kinds of things. Um, but I've told you we're fighting back and really interesting people are doing great things. And we've talked to a lot of them. For the first time, though, I have two fabulous state Democratic chairs joining at the same time. Uh, it's a bit of a radio experiment for me, and I hope I get it right. Uh, Jane Klebb chairs the Nebraska Dems. Um, uh, she'll tell you this life and love brought her to the state where she married a local rancher, then basically stopped the Keystone Pipeline, which nobody thought was going to be possible. And then she had the crazy idea that maybe she could make it easier for Democrats in a state that hasn't voted for a Democrat since, I don't know, 1964 for president. And maybe that was the only time since 1936. Um, she's joining us and, uh, Grant Tennille chairs the Arkansas Dems and he, you know, previously was in the government when, when that state last had a Democratic governor, Governor Beebe, um, and he led the state's Economic Development Commission. So, uh, but that was like a decade ago. And, you know, there's an awful lot um, coming out uh, of GOP governors around the country. But, you know, Grant may have one of the worst in the country and Sarah Huckabee Sanders to deal with. Uh, so we have a we're going to have a good conversation. Anyway, Jane and Grant, welcome. Thanks for having Thank us. You, yeah, well, well, could you just start for a minute and let maybe um, Jane and then Grant, um, t- just take a minute and tell my upper Midwest, you know, Great Lakes audience a little bit um, about your state and the state of Democrats in your state. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Nebraska, we like to say that we're in the middle of everywhere. Uh, sometimes people call us a flyover state or the middle of nowhere, but we are smack dab in the middle of the country. Um, when I became chair at the end of 2016, we had 550 Democrats elected statewide. And today we have 904 Democrats elected Whoa-hoo! statewide. So we're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we it is true. We don't have any elected statewide Dems, but we have 17 Democrats in our nonpartisan uh, Nebraska unicameral. It's a one body legislature, uh, which is cool. And I'm sure we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We have lots of folks elected in other kind of positions like the State Board of Education, the Board of Regents. Um, we got the blue dot for Joe Biden. Uh, we got it for Obama back in 2008 and we got it for Joe Biden in 2020. That's because our state, like Maine, were the only two states that split our electoral votes by congressional district. So we were able to give that electoral vote to Joe Biden. Um, so, you know, we, I think people view us as uber conservative, totally red. And the reality is our two big kind of urban centers, Lincoln and Omaha, are majority Democrats elected in those cities at the city council, county commission, et cetera. Um, in those, you know, communities are growing even wider. We, like a, a lot of states, uh, especially red states, have difficulty closing the gap in rural communities. And so that's obviously a big focus of, of what I'm doing as chair. Yeah, I want to talk about that with both of you in a minute. But, but before we go to Grant, one other thing, though, that I think 
progressives in the upper Midwest are going to find interesting. I think your state is the only one with a publicly owned utility, electric utility. That's correct. So not only do we have, from my perspective, a very progressive um, view of our state legislature with one body, it's, they're nonpartisan elected, so their party registration is not on the ballot. Um, we also have 100% public power. We don't have any private utilities, so that's all publicly elected boards at the local level deciding what type of electricity we um, generate and build and keeps our electricity rates really low because of that, which is great, obviously, for our farmers, which was one of the big reasons that was even started was to make sure that our farmers had uh, cheap electricity for their feeding the world. Um, We also have a really good ability to pass ballot initiatives. And I think that gets to a lot of, I'm sure, what we'll talk about today is we passed, you know, an increase in minimum wage, dreamers have a driver's license. Um, we're getting ready to pass uh, solidifying no charter schools or public dollars going to private schools. You know, the list is long. We've passed probably about 10 ballot initiatives over the past six years. And that's yeah, because yeah. those ballot initiatives have money, right, and have resources. Yep. And oftentimes yep. red state parties don't. And so that's been a struggle of ours. Okay. Well, thank, thank, thank you for that. All right. Uh, on to Arkansas. Grant? Well, so much of that sounds incredibly familiar, but I think that one of the things to remember about Arkansas is that for 150 years or so, we were a one-party state. Democrats had every office uh, right up until the 2010 election. And once it slid, it slid incredibly quickly. And we have no statewide elected Democrats. There is a... Uh, Republican supermajority in the legislature, we have 22 of the 135 seats. Um, But I will tell you that it it has taken a little time um, for Democrats statewide to really sort of reckon where they are with where they are. Um, and, And in some ways, maybe the best thing that could ever have happened to us has happened to us. They have elected a deeply unpopular governor. And I appeared uh, on television yesterday with a former chair of the state Republican Party. And uh, he he said, well, you know, how you doing? And I said, look, my phone's ringing off the hook. And a lot of them are your people because they're mad. And Let me so ask you a we, question about that. Yeah. Did your governor really just get the legislature to change the freedom of information laws so she could hide yeah. her travel budget. And, and to be perfectly honest, she, she was largely turned back. Um, she had a bill introduced that was an absolute gut to one of the best sunshine laws in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really would have cut it back to nothing. And in, in this case, uh, Democrats, Republicans, journalists, and others stepped forward and just said, no way. So she managed to get a narrow exception for what she is calling security. Um, but, you know, in general, um, these are the kinds of things that are helping us build our party. You know, we just heard Jane talking about in Nebraska, they're getting ready to, to uh, pass something that says no public money to charter schools and they need to um, because she passed that 
in the regular session of the legislature this year. Um, But we had a grassroots group that was of us, but was not us, that went out there and collected signatures to put it on the ballot, missed by less than 500, Mm. but, you know, collected more than 50,000 signatures. And when we got to looking at the signatures, we realized that a whole bunch of them aren't our people, but now they're on our mailing list and we're communicating with them regularly. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll stop there, but the communicating regularly (laughs) is a a big key to what we're trying to do right now. For, for years, um, you know, the democratic party's constituency, it's sort of organized around organized labor, um, big city mayors, um, and, and didn't focus much on, on organizing in rural America um, and let some of the grassroots energy kind of exist outside of the party structure and didn't really tap into it. I'm seeing in parties across the country something new, a sort of a labor, very much still a partner, but um, not alone, um, using the grassroots energy in new kinds of ways, particularly with technology that lets people campaign, you know, without leaving their houses if they have to. Um, are, are you are you seeing a sort of a, are you, are you sitting on top of a changing democratic organization in your state that um, feels more vibrant than in the past? Well, I'm, you know, either I think, one of you can start. Yep. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, you'll go, you'll go first next time. We'll do, we'll tag team like that. Um, I think that's a hundred percent true. I think a lot of younger voters and even I would say Gen X, so Gen X and below are really driven by issues, not necessarily party label, um, and are clearly seeing the democratic party standing up for, you know, big issues like reproductive freedom, of course, union rights, um, public education, clean energy and climate change. You know, there's a lot of issues that make the headlines that Democrats are on the right side of and Republicans are on the side of restricting and, you know, making sure that the government has absolutely no role in doing things like making sure that corporations aren't polluting our land and water. Um, so, you know, that became very apparent to me two separate times where you saw the kind of spike. One was clearly in 2008 uh, when a lot more states had caucuses. Um, but even if you didn't have a caucus, your, your primary saw major spikes between the primary battle of Clinton and Obama. Um, mm-hmm. And then we saw it again in 16, where it was clearly, you know, a lot of you know, folks coming out and wanting to have their voices heard with Bernie and Hillary Clinton, et cetera. So um, those are big moments, but we see it all the time and see it more and more as the Republicans get so extreme and are blindly following Trump, even though he doesn't represent the core values of Americans. And I'll second again, second all of that, but I'll say the young Democrats I talk to, it's more than issues. These are crises in their mind. Mm-hmm. They are staring down the barrel of you know, insolvency because of student loan debt. They're terrified that the environment is going to not last their lifetime. Um, it, it's not just sort of on paper or, or you know, uh, 
a hypothetical for them. I mean, these are real crises. And they view a lot of that very differently from older Democrats um, who, you know, are older and have a, tend to have a much longer view. Um, and so there can be times when, you know, the energy of one side is overwhelming the other side. Um, but the bottom line is that we're going to try and do everything we can do always to stick to our consensus party values, you know, fairness and equality and, and a, a better economy that works for everybody. And yeah, I guess if we can continue to hammer those central values, sooner or later we get everybody around the table. I, I, I'm sort of glad you framed it that way. And, and you know, both of you should talk about this. Um, for, for years, Republicans have beat us like dogs on the issue of values. They're going to run a values campaign, and they, and they claimed we didn't have any. Um, it was a lie, but they got a lot of mileage out of it. And I just think um, we're about to win the values fight um, because the, at, at core, not just the things we stand for, but the way we treat each other, you know, um, is so different. Is so different and so much more in sync with um, your neighbors and the people you talk to in communities. I'd love you to talk about that. Well, I think that our approach, first and foremost, we're going to try and meet people where they are. Um, and, you know, we started out talking in this conversation about rural America and, and rural Arkansas. And, you know, I think the one thing that a lot of my neighbors and family who live on the coast fail to understand is rural America is a ridiculously complex place. It is not one size fits all. And so we have got to try and make sure, again, that we're communicating often and that we really are trying to meet these people where they are and to to sort of continue to be the big tent party that we've always been. And, you know, that's messy sometimes. It really is. Um, but it's going to take all of us here in Arkansas to push back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and our biggest issue remains, you know, she, she won by a fairly good size margin un until you figure out that less than a third of the eligible voters in the state voted at all. Mm. And so that's where we see opportunity. Yeah, big opportunity. So, Grant, how many miles do you drive in a year? <laughs> well, I, I've, I took the job about midway through 21, and I've already gone through one vehicle. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, I'm on, I'm on my second minivan over the past uh, six years, and I have 160,000 or more miles on my current minivan. And so, I mean, it's just constant, you know, and in a lot of our states, there's only a handful, actually, of states where the party chair is paid full time. Um, and so for most of us, it's a volunteer position. And, you know, we give not only our time, but usually, you know, when we're driving around the state, that comes out of our pockets, too. Yeah. It obviously shouldn't be that way, you know, for honestly, for sustainability of infrastructure building. 
it's absolutely insane that essentially the biggest corporation of our Democratic Party infrastructure is is run by volunteers. It's really a holdover from the early days of our party that does need reform. It's something that I talk about often inside the DNC. But I do think that, you know, the values of freedom and fairness are bedrocks of the Democratic Party. And we actually live that. It's not just a bumper sticker like it is for the Republican Party. And I think all of us, you know, hang our hat often on the late Senator Paul Wellstone from Minnesota when he said that Democrats really are all about, uh, you know, when we, when we do, when we all do better, we all do better, meaning making sure that we're lifting up all of those, um, that need the assistance. And when those that are working class are making a good income and able to provide for their family, they're being able to contribute then more to our community and our society. So I think that that, you know, even if you're a progressive Dem, conservative Dem, a moderate Dem, that thread of freedom and fairness is definitely what keeps us all bound together. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, here in Arkansas, our governor talks about freedom in every sentence. Um, but people are now finally starting to get a chance to see that what she does and what she says are diametrically opposed from one another. And, and it really is going to turn on what are our shared Arkansas values and what do we want this place to be? And she's yeah. making a set of decisions that I think lots of people around the state are disagreeing with. I don't, I, I guess I don't understand it. You know, I, I mean, Illinois is, um, I mean, Chicago is a very big city, but it's a rural state, most of it. Yes. And, you know, I, I get around, talk to people all over the state and, um, People are complicated and interesting and decent all over the place. And it's right. It, 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 right? And, and I hear, you know, city people say about rural America things that are patently, you know, wrong, silly, just like I hear people say things about city dwellers that are, you know, sort of wrong and silly. But when you put them in a room together, amazing things sometimes happen. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that, you know, again, that, that's part of the reason why we burn all the gas and drive all the miles mm-hmm. is to have the opportunity to get Democrats or Democratic leaning people into yeah. the same room to begin to have conversations about, OK, you know, we need to fix this. And what is it going to look like to fix it? Um, and so, you know, at this point, we, we are kind of. Post Phoenix is the way we like to describe yeah. ourselves because yeah. we really had to bring it up from almost completely gone a few years yeah, ago. Just, yeah. Um, how important is it to so, get people to run in every election? And how hard is that? Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely critical. The reason why we've gone from 500, you know, 50 Dems to over 900 is because we really are encouraging a lot of the down ballot races. As a state party, we also have given our voter file for free to all of our candidates, which hasn't been mm-hmm. done in a lot of state parties. So it kind of breaks down that initial barrier um, yeah. of that critical resource for our candidates. So, you know, if you obviously if you're not on the ballot, you can't win that. We all agree with. I will say it is very difficult when you are sitting down with a candidate to get folks to run for statewide or federal office, knowing the amount of money that you need 
and that national party committees or national donors are not going to come in and help you because oftentimes, you know, our national party committees, which I understand, you know, they go into races that are a five point spread. They're not going into races that are 10 point spread. When those of us on the ground, when you have a good candidate, know if you have the money, you can win. Uh, you can yep. pick up those races. So that's something that I think will always be a challenge of ours. And, you know, a lot of us in red states get as creative as we can to raise the money for those uh, big statewide or congressional races. But a lot of us also then focus a lot of our attention and a lot of our human resources to the state ledge and below races, because we know that's yep. how we're building our bench. Absolutely. I'm thinking, I, of, think uh, go, go ahead. The only thing I'd add, and I bet Jane's been in this position as well, it's tough to go into somebody's home and sit down with them and say, I'm nearly positive you can get to 46% this time. And when we run you again the next time, you're going to win. Because nobody likes to be told (laughs) you got to lose to win. You know, you're going to take one for the team this time. And, you know, those are difficult conversations going on in in red states among Democrats all over the country. Um, But the one thing we know is the people who are willing to put in the time, it it really does pay off and it works for them. So we should talk about money a little bit and how it how it works. You know, I, I think the Wisconsin Dems have been very creative in raising money and they built a permanent infrastructure you know, that works year round and it's got organizers and it's making a huge difference. And I, you know, I don't think around the country Democrats can expect you guys to work miracles up against the enormously funded sort of global Republican, you know, um, messaging machine without support. And, and I, I wonder if you think this is right, too. You know, running Democrats, even in elections where they aren't going to win, does two things. It, it f- First, it, it improves the quality of the conversation across America, it makes communities stronger as people who thought they were like the only one who were afraid to come out. And they, thought, they suddenly realize there are a lot of people who share their point of view and can they can meet each other and organize to help build their communities? That's good for the whole country. But also, man, it ties up Republican money fighting, you know, on mm-hmm. their turf rather than somewhere else. Go ahead, Jane. Yeah, I mean, that is 100% true. And the reality is we never know what's going to happen in a Republican's campaign where they may have uh, a, you know, out of marriage relationship come up like we're seeing in South Dakota with the current governor there or, you know, the disgusting behavior of Lauren Boebert um, in the, you know, theater watching Beetlejuice. And so those moments absolutely happen. And so if you don't have somebody competitive on the ballot for voters to then choose, uh, that's when we lose um, over and over again. And so, you know, I would like to see, you know, in terms of investment, I mean, Chair Wickler in Wisconsin has done obviously amazing and has been very creative. He came out of the move on movement and so knew a lot of those creative fundraising uh, tactics. He's also a battleground state. So there's a ton of money coming into that state versus places like Arkansas, Nebraska. Um, But, you know, our state parties used to, when Dean was chair, all of our state parties, no matter how big or small, used to get $25,000 a month 
in order to help fund at least three core staff members per state party. So then the state chair and others could focus on raising money, recruiting candidates, et cetera. Now, um, you know, in the Obama years, that went down to 2,500 a month. Now, Chair Harrison and President Biden have brought that up to 10,000 for blue states, you know, 15,000 for red states. And, you know, I hope we get to the 25,000 again, but that's really what we need. You know, it's, it's nuts and bolts resources that you need to have a foundation. So then you can be creative. So you're not worrying about how am I going to pay my executive director and my field director? Yeah. And I want, I mean, I want the people in Chicago, which is a strong blue city with a lot of money, right? I want people here who are listening to understand that all over America, they're really talented, talented organizers um, and party leaders like Grant, like Jane, that you're hearing right now, who need your help, right? Who need the parties, the people to come together and help fund them so they're not, you know, trying to do this all on their own. Go ahead, Grant. That's correct. And and the only thing I was going to add, I, I tell people all the time who still don't quite seem to understand that now there's only one fuel that drives this whole business. Um, but I say, look, political party is just people doing stuff and they need to be paid. And yep. we've got to raise the money or we can't do any of the things. And yep. you can't elect Democrats. And so it, it that sounds incredibly simplistic, but it really is sort of the nature of the conversation every day. Without yeah, and the GOP has a messaging advantage because they funded vast organizations that get their message out 365 days a year on all kinds of media all over the country, right? They're not just running to win elections. They're running a branding campaign to sort of malign Democrats all year long. And you guys have to fight that on the ground. That's sure. right. And we definitely get help, you know, from the DCCC, which is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee mm-hmm. and the DNC, the big, you know, our big overarching Democratic National Committee. They often help us with talking points and sample press releases when big issues dominate. But then, you know, both of us know that on a daily basis, there's something happening in our state where we have to be able to respond uh, in a professional and timely manner. You know, it was interesting for me to hear about the Arkansas governor. Our governor, too, is using uh, some arcane rule to pretend that he doesn't have to uh, abide by freedom of information requests from reporters. And we're seeing this over and over and over again, especially in red states where because they have a lock on the state government, it leads to a lot of corruption and secrecy. Um, so that's why, you know, communication is absolutely so critical on a daily basis. So this brings me back, Jane, to the question of sort of values. And we talked, you know, about big ones. But I think Americans, by and large, want their government to be accountable. So they, they like the sunshine laws and they don't like when the government does something about it. By and large, Americans, by every poll number, they, they can't stand that books are being banned. Right. They just get like vast majorities, no matter how you phrase the question, don't like it. Um, you know, when we get to sort of like, who are we and who do we want to who do we want to be when we grow up as a country? The answers that they have on offer. These are not the ones that voters of any party persuasion really deeply love. 
That's 100% right. I mean, our country was literally founded on freedom and breaking away from a government that was trying to stifle individuals' freedom and liberties. And then to have the Republican Party try to put, bring us back to the 1950s and not want to talk about really difficult and, har- and harmful moments in our country's history. Um, you know, what's happening in Florida, you know, often gets the headlines about, you know, Ron DeSantis saying that African-Americans learned valuable skills when they were enslaved. Um, you know, but that's happening everywhere. You know, Florida often is making the headlines for pretty awful stuff that's happening in our public schools, but it's happening everywhere and is going to continue to happen unless we really all do start to vote. And I know, you know, for Democrats, especially in our red states, they feel sometimes pessimistic, like what's the point of voting? Um, but the reality is we need them now more than ever. We need independents joining hands with us. We opened up our primary uh, to independents so they can vote mm-hmm. in our partisan primaries. More and more of us need to do that to show independents we actually care about you, want you to have a say in our primary. So then they vote with us in the general as well. Grant, what's it like? Is uh, our Primaries open or closed in Arkansas? I don't know. Um, they are closed. Um, They're closed. But the other thing that's fairly interesting is that I want to say it's still just less than 20% of our voters have a political party selected on their ballot. Yeah. And that's a big thing that we're or on their voter registration. I'm sorry. Um, yep. So that's another big thing that we're pushing is you, you got to register as Democrat and vote in the primary. Um, again, a lot of that dates back to 150 years of virtually no competition. Everybody right. voted in the same primary. Right. right. I mean, here in but, Illinois, you don't pick a primary. You don't pick a party label at all. And when you go on primary day, you can say, today I want a Republican ballot. In the next election, you come and say, today I want to vote in the Democratic primary. And, and it just happens in the moment of the election. It's interesting. Yes. And, and it virtually works the same way here or has for years, yep. We're, as I said, yep. just starting to get people. But I wanted to go back to one thing you said a few moments ago, because we've got the library fights going on here, uh, hot mm. and heavy. And so I've seen some of the numbers that you referenced. And I would tell you that it's not just that they don't like the thought of the government banning books, they think it's pretty deeply un-American for the government to be banning books in libraries. And the same way with, you know, taking public money and putting it into private schools and running the public schools into the ground. And those uh, are two places where we've all got to stay focused, as Jane said. Yeah. Um, I just think these, the, when you have one party rule, and Democrats were guilty of this in parts of American history, but right now the challenge is coming from the right. Um, when you have one party rule, you make terrible mistakes and you're not accountable to the voters because you can't lose. So you, you go do corrupt stuff. And we're seeing that all over the country. And that is a terrible thing for people who live like that, but it's a great opportunity for you guys to organize. The point, one of the points that Jane was making a few minutes ago that I, I kind of latched on to is the biggest problem for us red states is that it's so close everywhere that we it's tough to get anybody to pay attention 
to those of us who are blue dots. Um, because they're they're killing themselves to try and make sure we win in the battlegrounds and, and keep as much control as we can. And yep. so, you know, everybody is kind and everybody feels terrible. But um, you know, the we're those of us who are really rebuilding or you know, fighting uphill are doing it largely by ourselves. Yeah. I want to talk more about that, but you know what I um, was so into listening to you guys, I missed a commercial break. Will you stay with us? We'll we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Okay, w- welcome back. And uh, in case you were asleep um, and not paying attention, I have two fabulous uh, Democratic Party chairs uh, on, and we're talking together, Grant Tennille from Arkansas and Jane Klebb from Nebraska. Before we went on on break, Grant was talking about just, look, how much we focus on battleground states and we're not paying attention to um, uh, states where we have to rebuild, states where so many decent people are living and don't deserve the kind of government they're getting. So, so um, uh, Jane, what do you think of that? And what can we tell people in other states about why it's so important to help you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing that folks can do, you know, is pick a state and become a monthly donor to that state party. Uh, the monthly donor programs that all of our state parties have are critical to help fund the core infrastructure. And the reality is, I know some people often talk about, well, we need to reform the way the U.S. Senate is because it's not fair that states like Montana get to and more populated states like Illinois or California only get to. But that's not going to change, I don't think, ever, and certainly not anytime soon. And so we have to figure out how we are going to start winning again in red states. It is not impossible. The issues that our party stands for and the direction that our party has moved our country, you know, every time we have a Democrat elected at the in the White House, we are actually increasing jobs. And that can't be said for all the other Republicans that have held that position. And then we're making real change in our state. So, you know, my plea would be definitely become a monthly donor, pick one red state and do that. Pick a red state candidate that you can get behind either writing postcards for them or making donations if you're not living, obviously, in that state. And then when we need your help, when people like Grant and I are pushing the DNC to do party reforms that would also help with the infrastructure of red states, you know, oftentimes you'll see New York Times articles uh, about that. Really, you know, retweet those articles, encourage the DNC to create a more level playing field with the way that they are funding the states and get out of this broken, outdated model of only funding the eight battleground states every year. Grant, what do you think? Uh, I think that's exactly correct. And I think that that Jane and I have a number of uh, peers who are interested in the same thing and, and extending all the way up into some of the leadership of the Association of State Democratic Committees, which is our organization. And, and so I believe yep. that it'll happen. Um, I, I think that, you know, it, at the same time, you know, it, it's difficult for me to look at anybody and say, don't invest in those battleground states, because I know if we, we lose a whole lot of ground, it, it's going to be harder for us to get the, 
the resources we need. Um, yeah. So it really is kind of a catch-22 and, and a tough spot. But well, now, Or it's the, a dig deeper time. Hmm? Dig deeper. Do both. Yeah. Dig deeper. Well, and, do and, both. That's just where we are. And I really think <laughs> if, if, if you carry no more message to your listeners for the next year, then it really counts this time, folks. This is it. This could be the ball game. Yeah. Um, and so you're right. If you've ever, if you've ever given, it's time to double. Yep. If you've never given, it's time to dig a little and and really get involved. So I, I have a different kind of question for both of you. Um, you know, because the national news media is, um, uh, they love the oceans. You know, I mean, Chicago's a big city, and even we feel flyover sometimes. Um, so Democrats around the country are often running against themselves. They're spending time and money saying, hey, I'm not like those Democrats you see on TV. In effect, running against the image of us that the GOP and the way our national media structure has done so much to create. I think that's changing a bit. But it, when it happens, it sort of raises, it makes every campaign more expensive. We have to start from ground zero every time. And it undercuts the things that we all share as Democrats. And I'm wondering, you know, how do we get the kinds of Democrats that are running in your states um, b- better known and and um, and more of um, the image of what Democrats are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no question that, you know, the whole... Years ago, it was the, you know, limo, the liberal limousines or, you know, the latte liberals, you know, all those titles and stereotypes that are thrown on us when in reality, you know, farmers, ranchers, you know, hardworking union workers, teachers were all Democrats. Um, you know, John Tester and folks like John Tester, uh, John Fetterman, you know, those folks, I think, break the mold of people's perception of who Democrats are. Um, and you're right. I mean, more of the red state and rural Democrats need to be the poster children of the Democratic Party to really show not just with words, but uh, visually and with image uh, that we have Democrats that look and sound like America. Um, that's true for communities of color. Uh, it's true for women and moms. It's true for, you know, hardworking, you know, laborers. And so that is, my, you know, that's always our plea, I think, to the DNC and the other national party committees is that when they're choosing people uh, to profile that they really are choosing folks that come from non-traditional backgrounds. And it's our biggest pitch when we're recruiting candidates. We say that voters uh, want to vote for people who look and sound like them. They don't want to vote for somebody that makes them feel stupid uh, or who makes them feel like if they aren't 100 percent correct in all the political terms that, you know, they're not worthy of being in the Democratic Party. We do not feel that way. Um, you know, I think Nancy Pelosi actually does uh, really our party justice when she talks about how the diversity of our party is our strength. Um, and I think that's how we live every single day when we're recruiting folks. Grant? Here in Arkansas, we figured out that the best way for us to, to kind of answer what you're asking is that we've built a platform framework that we think works for every single Democrat. And it's really very simple. Arkansas Democrats believe in better. We don't accept the status quo. We're committed to delivering a healthier, fairer, safer, 
and brighter Arkansas. Now, I'm a policy wonk. And one of the reasons I love that is I can stick anything I believe in up under that framework. Any candidate can campaign on those four simple words. And they're talking about something in their platform. And so, you know, we have had great success in getting people to rally around that framework because it's simple, it's direct, it's to the point. And nobody disagrees with healthier, safer, fairer, or brighter. Yeah, I guess my concern um, is that we Democrats are running on policies. We're running on um, on ideas about governing. The other side is running on, um, it's hard to know what. It's not policy. It's not governing philosophy. Um, it is some kind of weird identity thing um, that's pitched at some part of America, at least. And I want to know how how we take our policy ideas, the things we care about, because we're a party that wants to govern, right, and do it well, and 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 fight against the non policy, non governing, identity only stuff coming from the other side. Mm-hmm. I think you what have you to think? start putting it in. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start putting it in terms that people can get their hands around. You know, I'll give a specific example of an issue, obviously, that's close to me with my, you know, my other hat on of, of Bold, where we work with farmers and ranchers to protect their property rights from yeah. you know, fossil fuel corporations taking their land by eminent domain. And so when you're a candidate and you're choosing, you know, the top three issues that you're going to work on, it should you should definitely talk about values. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I think that's important for people to uh, connect with that heart. But you also have to talk about specifics and the three issues aren't going to be, you know, in everybody's checklist, but they'll let voters know where you stand. So, you know, when I'm talking to a lot of our rural Dems, I say, yes, property rights should 100 percent be one of your issues. You know, 73 percent of Nebraskans believe that eminent domain should not be used for private gain. That is a law that we can make that we can change both at the state level and the federal level. Um, so talk about that. Talk about how farmers and ranchers are now facing, you know, risky pipelines that could literally blow up and kill their cattle and their family. Uh, and they have a right and should have a right to say no. Um, and then conversely, if we're wanting to actually solve climate change, that means we're going to have to build a lot of clean energy. And guess who has the land uh, that's needed in order to put the industrial scale wind and solar rural communities where Democrats mm-hmm. have not done a very good job uh, talking to rural people about how that land use is going to happen. And are they at the table for actual shares of the wealth generation? So there are real concrete issues that we as Democrats have to start talking about and not only talk about, you know, 13 page policy papers. Yeah. And, and, and you guys have candidates in your state. I mean, I love John Tester. You've got candidates in your state who are able to connect that way. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, yeah. So great. And it's, so been, great. it's been fascinating to watch, you know, in a state where we've got 22 of 135. I've still got members in the legislature, in the legislature who are absolute bell cows for everybody. I mean, they say things and you, you watch people's heads turn. 
Um, and, you know, it's a combination of the policy chops and incredible communication skills. And those folks are tough to find, but they are all over America. Yeah. Yeah, they sure are. So, so um, what can you guys, state chairs and state parties, learn from each other around the country? What are the lessons, you know, that you can teach folks in, in other states and that you want to learn from them? Grant, I would say the greatest thing to me about the DNC and its affiliate organizations is that there is so much opportunity for all of us to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, one of the most powerful telephone calls in the United States is the executive director telephone call. Those are some of the smartest people we've got working in this party uh, and some of the smartest people in the country. Um, and they know so much. And, you know, when we were trying to rebuild it from scratch, um, that was where I turned for everything. Hmm. And so there really is great opportunity for collaboration. There, there are occasionally opportunities for uh, working to fundraise together. And we take advantage of those every time we can. Um, You know, the thing is, and I've spent a little time in Nebraska, but I brushed up. I mean, we are very, very, very similar states, not separated by all that much ground. Um, You know, Arkansas and Nebraska have virtually the exact same population. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> At our party meetings, which happen, you know, every four years with the Association of the Democratic Parties, um, we really do bring ideas and we exchange them. And, you know, we bring concrete things like I've brought in our block captain toolkit to those meetings. We just mm-hmm. created a, a paper called the Dems Deliver that your listeners can go on NebraskaDemocrats.org and you can see a copy of the newspaper that we're delivering at doorsteps. We have 50,000 copies that we're delivering through our block captain program all throughout the fall. You know, these are like concrete ideas that us as chairs and executive directors, we share with each other um, because, you know, we have really creative people (laughs) in our in our state parties that can often do amazing things with little resources. Edwin, if you haven't checked out that block captain newspaper she's talking about before I knew I, I have. was be on the phone with Jane. I have. <laughs> I have. I love it. People brought it to me last week and said, this is incredible. We got to do it. Yeah, I saw it. I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Um, uh, and, you know, and it, it makes the connection for people between the good work that Democrats are doing in D.C. and the lives people mm-hmm. live around the country. Nothing's more important yeah. right now. So, so great. I love seeing that. Um, uh were, were either of you or both of you in Chicago recently as to get sort of a the groundwork for the upcoming convention? Yes. Yes. I am so excited yep. that Chicago is housing the 2024 convention. It's exciting from a logistical perspective. Uh, of course, Midwest is best, as I always say. Mm-hmm. So we're happy that the Midwest is housing it. Um, but that all the hotels, you know, Chicago is so great that all the hotels are going to be near each other so we can share keynote speakers for breakfasts that we all hold every morning before we go into the big convention center. Um, and, you know, Chicago is just such a great walkable city and it's so diverse that it really yep. does represent the best of the party. Well, I, I know as a as a lifelong Chicagoan that we are so excited 
to have the convention mm-hmm. back here again. And and the city does have these facilities. So, so in part, I'm excited because it's good for my city, but also we're going to be able to talk to each other. Really? I mean, in, the Republicans are going to be staying in Chicago to go to their convention in Milwaukee. So, you know, we have a great advantage. Well, unfortunately, we were in special session, so I stayed yeah. behind and, and sent a couple of my people, but they were over the moon. Uh, we are thrilled, and, uh, you know, I imagine Jane is thinking some of the thing, same things I am, which is, this is going to be so great if I can pay for it. <laughs> yeah, so we ought to find ways to help, because really, and, and, um, people have to come and understand that, that, that we're a national party. We're not a party of, you know, swing states. We really have to, I mean, this this fiasco in our American culture that's going on where we have this large group sort of making stuff up, whether it's about elections or what goes on in a pizza parlor, just make stuff up. It's part because we haven't shown up everywhere and talked to our neighbors. It's what you guys are doing every day and why it's so important. That's absolutely correct. And I I do think that one of the problems is sometimes the allegations are so outlandish that Democrats are just flat footed. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, you're not really saying that, are you? Um, But you're correct. It's sort of back to the old war room days. You got to answer every allegation and push back. Yeah, well, yeah, I I think that's right. But we also have to save some time to talk about the good we do and not just answer their nonsense because we they've got a machine that spews it out pretty fast right. That's right. <laughs> well look you guys have been fabulous take a second before we go and tell people this show is mostly heard in the upper midwest but it's also online and i have listeners in um, uh, far-flung places would you take a moment and tell people um, about your website how they can learn more about uh, what's going on in your state and if they want to be supportive of your efforts and Dems in the state, how they do it. So, um, uh, uh, Grant, why don't you take that off, and Jane, you finish us off. Okay, doke. Um, our website is arcdems, A-R-K-D-E-M-S dot org. And um, the monthly uh, program for us is called Heart of the Party, and right there on the front page. You will see the badge, and you click on that, and it'll tell you how to sign up. And again, those monthly sustaining donations are our lifeblood. It's it's what yeah. keeps the building working. Yeah, right, and, and you know our website. Go ahead. Sorry, our website Jane. is Nebraska Democrats. Yeah, NebraskaDemocrats.org. Um, and you can not only see our Dems Deliver newspaper, you can read about our block captains, you can read about our candidates and our elected officials. And then our Neb Dems Club, which is the name of our monthly donor program, is right there on the home page as well. You know, even if you're not in Nebraska, we strongly encourage you to become a monthly donor, sign up for our email list, uh, take a look at our Dems Deliver newspaper. We definitely need the support of folks all across the Midwest. Yeah. All right. Listen, I, I really appreciate your giving me together an hour of your time today. And and I it's just so important that the whole country understand what you're up against and what you're trying to build, because it's really good for every one of us. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ed. All right, I Thanks, look forward everybody. to meeting you both in person when you're here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, everyone, thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Again, that were, that were the two fabulous Democratic Party chairs from Arkansas and Nebraska, Grant Tennille and Jane Klebb. Go online, support uh, their really important work, uh, and learn more about you know what's going on in other states. It's all good for us. We're going to take a break for the news, um, and when we come back, we're going to talk the bolts of governing. 